Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and thank you for joining us on the New Books in Israel Studies podcast. I'm your host, Ari Barbalat. I'm here today with my guest, Naftali Shemtov. He is a senior lecturer in the Department of Literature, Linguistics, and Art at the Open University of Israel. He is head of the Department of Literature, Linguistics, and Art at that university as well. He is here to talk with us about his new book, Israeli Theater, Mizrahi Jews, and Self-Representation, published by Routledge 2021. Thank you for joining us today, Naftali. It's an honor to have you with us. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Um, to begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a bit about your, yourself on a personal autobiographical level? So I born in 1975 in Kfar Shalem neighborhood, is a working class neighborhood close uh, in south of Tel Aviv, close to Shkunat Atikva. Uh, my mother, I'm a Mizrahi Jew, so this is, you can understand why I wrote the book. This, uh, my mother and uh, my, my father born in Iraq, in Baghdad, he immigrated to Israel when he was uh, 12 years old uh, from Baghdad. And uh, my mother is born in Iran, is a Kurdish Iranian. She also immigrates to Israel as a child in uh, 51. Uh, and my I have an education, a theater education since I was 12 years old. In my neighborhood was a community center, it's still there. And I learned and I joined to community, community best theater for youth theater. And then I, and, and there I, I learned uh, acting and the theater and love this uh, art. And also the plays, of this um, 
community theater were about social and ethnicity in Israel. And, and in this place was the first time that I, um, in some way, um, understand the situation in critical perspective, uh, the situation of ethnicity in Israel, the relationship of ethnic, ethnic uh, groups and so on. And I understand uh, and uh, my, my position as a Mizrahi Jew in Israel. Uh, so uh, from that point, all my years in high school, I, 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 acting, I was an actor in the, this uh, community theater. And uh, after I finished my service, when I finished the, the army, the service in the army, I go to the Tel Aviv University to study community theater. I have the, the uh, as undergraduate, uh, my BA is about community theater, and uh, my PhD I make uh, direct uh, direct track uh, to PhD, and the PhD is about Israeli theater, especially about the Aku Festival. It's a festival of alternative theater, and uh, then I did a postdoc in Haifa University about uh, improvisation. And I wrote a book about improvisation and connection to teaching and learning process. It's very connection. To, it's it's a topic that improvisation is a very important technique in community theater. So I wrote a book about improvisation. The book, the first one about Aqua Festival, the book is in English, but the other one is in Hebrew. And um, now I'm uh, and in 2014. Uh, I get a position in the Open University, so I'm here now in the Open University. Wow, wow, what an academic journey and what an yeah. intellectual journey. Um, was there any particular play that you encountered when you were younger that specifically inspired you? I think there were the, the two plays. The one, the first one, I wrote about the book in the book in my book. It's called uh, in Hebrew. It's called Meite Hom Vechol Adrama. Azot in English. It called um, uh, I don't remember how we translated it to English. Uh, uh, of Ilel Mintelpunt. It's about Mizrahi neighborhood, and we play uh, this. Uh, we the uh, we play with this uh, this play, uh, Meite Home, and we, it was about Mizrahi neighborhood, about criminals, and about their uh, critical perspective about the uh, and some of protest against the states and the policy. And I think that was the first time through this play I understand something about my Mizrahi identity. The second one, it was a, a play of UNESCO from the Absurd Theater. Uh, it's a very little play, a comic play with a uh, husband and wife that they have a very bad relationship, but it's very comic situations because they, they have a fight about very small things, uh, but what's going on in the neighborhood, it's a war. They are closed in their home, 
outside there is a war and bombs and so on. And in the in their saloon, they talk about very, very small things. And this play was after the first Gulf War, when in Israel we was in the closed rooms in our home with a mask, you know, to protect us uh, uh, from a gas attack. And we, all the, the, the family tensions was very, very, very high because very pressure and, and so on. And outside was the, the bomb. So this play was very funny and very uh, critical about our situations. So I think that two, these two plays was very um, important for me personally. Uh, in those times as a teenager. Wow, I can only imagine. Um, how did you become inspired to write this book on Mizrahi theater? Where did the interest come from for you? As you can understand from my biography, it's always, I, I thought about it. But really to get the work um, it was then when uh, some activist, Mizrahi activist, invited me to a panel to talk about uh, theater and Mizrahi in Israel, in Israel. So I wrote a note, a little note uh, uh, in points, the, uh, uh, forms of theaters that Mizrahi artists uh, create uh, performances and plays. And these notes became in some way, the, uh, the chapters of the book. And so the, the, the idea was born there in the panel, in this little note. And I thought that I have an thesis and I have a good idea and I can go with it to the archives and build. Uh, it's, it can be a very good uh, study and very important study and so on. So. This is was the, the the panel that gave me the push push me to to do the, the work. Wow. Um, in what ways did your experiences as an actor in community theater give you insights that you could transform into theoretical contributions during the process of developing this book? Um, I think that when you know how the process, uh, practically the process going on, you can understand some, you have the questions to ask the artist. Some of the questions, it, it, not only in a level of what is your vision and what is your philosophy and so on, sometimes you ask questions about their practice and sometimes very, you know, simple things uh, decides the process uh, and of course the questions about budget the questions about the political relations with the, the establishment I'll give you an example uh, in community theaters in Israel most of the groups are subsidized by the municipality or the ministry of education or ministry or other public bodies and so on and there is always the tensions between uh, uh, between the group that wants to, to, to wants autonomy uh, to say, uh, for free speech, 
and you know, and the politicians in this uh, uh, and the officer in this uh, public bodies want to control in some way the message, the messages of these performances. And I think that when I, uh, as a teenager, as an actor, I saw it very closely how it's this political dynamics work between the, uh, our di director and how she uh, uh, fights uh, for uh, this autonomy against the municipality and other officers and politicians that try to control the messages and so on. So I can think that, that, that always I have the sensitivity to things like that and to, to ask the questions, how it's really at work uh, uh, and so on. So, so I, I think that is one of the insights that, that connect between practice and theory. Uh, I, I, I take to my uh, studying the book. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Can you define for our listeners what you mean by community theater? Um, there is a community, when we talk about community theater, the exact term is community-based theater, B-A-S-E-D. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because in, in UK, you, when you say community theater is, as I defined my, my community theater as a teenager, it's a political and very political and socially a side to, to say things and to protest and so on. But in USA, when you say community theater, you mean a very amateur theater that celebrates is, uh, uh, with musicals and so on, right. the community values, but it's not the case when in Israel. When we say, so in United States, when you want to talk about a, 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 you must say community-based theater to emphasize that is a political and social site uh, to, to, to give a performance with a very critical perspectives on the community reality and so on. The process is that we, in most of the time, we don't take plays as it is, but we take a materials from the actors, biographical materials and social materials and so on. And what we call devising theater, we, in this process, we take these materials and together with the actors, we uh, create the performance, an original performance. Sometimes we take a play they already, you know, very well-known play, but we make change or uh, or uh, to to fit it to the intentions of the groups, and sometimes we integrate original uh, materials with a, a well-known play and so on. There are a lot of models, but the devising process is very important in community-based theater that express the community goals or community issues and so on. And in most of the times after the performance, there is a discussion with the audience between the actors and the audience. And the audience can be, of course, a, a members from the community, family and so on, but also politicians and officers 
and they have a, a dialogue. It's sometimes very, uh, a very difficult dialogue uh, between the actors and the politicians and so on. Wow. What is unique about the role of the director in community-based theater? The director is not, in general, the director has a free, free aspects. He tried to give interpretation to the play. He um, cast and uh, give instruction to the actors and he uh, give instruction to the desires, uh, you know, for the setting, for the music and so on. But in community best theater, he also kind of facilitator of the group, a some therapist for the group. And he also, uh, in some cases, especially if we talk about youth or children, it's also in some way uh, have an educational uh, function as a pedagogue and so on. So he's a lot of functions that he tries to juggling with all these all this roles. Um, so it's not an easy, it's not like in a regular uh, theater. He's also a person uh, as like a role model for the participants, how to behave, not like, not just as an artist, but also in some way as a leader and uh, as a teacher and a therapist and so on. It's a very complicated uh, job uh, to be a community based theater and to, to do it uh, well, yeah. Good enough. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, What would a typical rehearsal look like in community-based theater? The process is first you try to create the group. First of all, so um, when you you go to the community and ask person to to join the group, someone, especially a member of the community that like to to act and like to perform and they have something to say to the world and so on. So you you create the group. And after that, you uh, teach them uh, acting uh, technique and how to teach amateur actor. It's very uh, a unique question how to, to do it. It's not like in a actor studio, Lee Strass, Lee, uh, you know, the uh, name Lee Strasberg and so on in New York. And so it's, it's not like that. It's much more complicated. Most of the time you, you have uh, playing a games, a dramatic uh, games, and so to teach them how to, to be an actor's. And so, and then you, um, and in this process of learning acting, the exercise, the content of the exercise is deal with the issue uh, of the community issue, the community conflict and so on, the biographical uh, experience. And so you put it in the exercise of acting and then you build together with them the, the play or the performance and the, the rehearsal is, is, is like rehearsal in every, when you have the play or the script, 
what to do and so on. So we have a rehearsal in, in, in a regular theater, you know. Uh, wow. How, how would a director, in, how would a director in community-based theater teach an amateur actor how to act? How would the director go about that? I, I think in, you can see in Alfie, in Yossi Alfie, what, 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 Yossi Alfie was one of the funders of the community based theater in Israel in the 70s. And he wrote uh, two books about it. And the, the assumptions, what he said, the, the assumption is, uh, first of all, everyone knows how to play. Because the, the human being is a player. You know, when you was a child, all the, all the children play. Yes. Uh, so it, it's, it's in our biology to play. So this is the base, not acting like a professional, not Stanislavski method and so on, but the basis of playing. So all the exercise are around the concept of playing in the sense of children plays, in, the, in role playing, and how to, to, to make very simple things in our body and voice and so on. So the, the technique is very simple and emphasize the playing and not the acting. Yes, in English you have acting, playing, game, and uh, performing. Yes, there's a lot of, of verb to, to, to describe this situation. So the, the, we emphasize the playing and not the acting in the professional sense. So the playing, this is first an assumption. The second is the social assumption that our social relations, uh, you know, Erwin Goffman uh, assumption that uh, our relation, our relation, social relations are actually uh, kinds of playing. There's all the world is stage and we are the actors, the Shakespearean phrase uh, and so on. So the, 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 the assumption is if we uh, play uh, the social roles in the stage, we can copy it to the reality and make a change in the reality. If I'm from underprivileged a class and I never play the role of the leader on the stage, I have the chance to do it and to rehearse it and then go back to the reality and try to be a leader and make a change. I know that it's very simplified uh, way of description, but it's more complicated. But I, ju I just say it it's in a slogan to, to explain in short way how it's work more and less. Wow. Um, in what ways is the director similar to a therapist in community-based theater? Um, it's not, a, it's therapist in a way of a, a group facilitator, you know, there, there is dynamic in the group and, and the self of the myself and other self can, can uh, develop by and through the dialogue in the group. So it's a director as a facilitator, as a therapist is to um to to uh, how to, to to say it to create awareness of the individual in the group to understand their behavior 
and understand their emotions uh, to each other, but on, not only in a psychological sense, but also in the social relations, not only, be, not only among them as a group, but also in the world, in, their, in relation to their identity. In my book, it's in for the, to, to the Mizrahi identity and the class, uh, uh, and their class, social class, and so on. What Bourdieu called habitus, you know, the what we the, our our ways of thinking and behaving, and this this these ways are connection to our social class. So uh, the therapists try. I call it uh, in the book uh, political therapy. It means that the, you, you understand yourself not only in psychological terms, but also in a political terms uh, and the connection between the political and the psychological, uh, uh, you, you actually understand your habitus in, to make it short. That's fascinating. Um, you alluded uh, slightly earlier to Yossi Alfi, and he yeah. shows up quite a bit in your book. You quote him on the first page of your book, and he shows up in many other passages in your book. For listeners who might not be familiar, can you describe who is Yossi Alfi? Yossi Alfi, he is an actor and director and playwright and producer. He's a very interesting person. He's also a, a poet. Yeah, he published several uh, uh, books of poetry. Uh, he he born in Iraq and immigrants to Israel as a little child mm-hmm. and was also in Mabara and so on. And was it a young uh, children uh, in a high school? He go to to learn a theater, and, and then he go to in the army. I think he, he was in um, how we call it, you know, in an ensemble of. of uh, um, I don't know how to call it in English. Uh, he was in La Cat Shirion, which means he was he was a singer and actor in the in the army, in, in a group, in a in an ensemble of, of things, things like that. And then he go to London to to learn in uh, in acting school. I don't remember which one of the, the actor schools. And then he came back in the 70s, in the, 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 in, in the early 70s. And he, think, he thought how we can do something with the Mizrahi issue, because in 71, if, as you know, was the the Black Panthers. Yes. And all the Mizrahi issue uh, uh, became a very... Um, um, uh, it was uh, one of the the, the, the the first time that the Israeli society uh, might to to address uh, to this issue because the demonstration and the protest of Panterim uh, Shorim and Yossi uh, Alfi also tried to understand uh, following this protest how to do it in the theater. And he and others is not only one make a, a community a community theater in these neighborhoods. He worked in Pardes Katz, is a neighborhood of Nebrak, 
uh, very close to Tel Aviv. It was a neighborhood of a lot of uh, Iraqi uh, immigrants like him, like Yossi itself himself. And he wrote some books about community theater and he pushed the, this discipline to the university, to Tel Aviv University. So from the late 70s, I think from 77 or 78, it became a program in uh, the theater uh, department in Tel Aviv University. Um, and he also make a community theater in the 80s and so on. But uh, from the 90s, he left the, the area, this area of community theater in some way. And in the 90s, he found a, a festival of storytelling. Uh, and there is a very ethnic, ethnic uh, aspect of this festival because the panel of storytellers are organized in, in topics. And, and a lot of topics is uh, topics of ethnic group. You know, a panel, a story of Iraqi Jews and a story of Romanian and a story of Yemeni, and a story of the Kibbutzim, a story of the army, a story from all the topics of the, all the Israelis. In some way, maybe folklorist way, he, he, he keep going with this festival and he say in a lot of uh, uh, interview with him that this festival is a kind of community theater in some way. Mm, that's so interesting. Can you describe Yossi Alfie's philosophy of directing? I, I think that I already do it with the assumptions uh, as you... Uh, I, you know, when I talk about the Heusinga assumption that everyone can play and Goffman that we have, we, we can make rehearsal on the stage about our social roles in the reality. And the, th and the third assumption was of Shlomo Svilsky, because the books was published in the 70s, uh, I think Svilsky was a, a, one of very, very few scholars that sociologists that say that the Panthers, the Black Panthers are right and that's a problem, very problem in Israel. And Svilsky uh, published articles and book uh, about the issue from very uh, critical and radical um, uh, point of view because the establishment said that the problem with the Mizrahim is because there are primitives and came from primitives country. Uh, and because of that, they are in a poor and a very low socioeconomically in a low class. And Svilsky shows in his books and investigations how the establishment itself make this situation that the Mizrahim is in the low class and the Ashkenazim in the middle class and so on. So the, this studies was one of the, the third assumptions that our social relations, our discrimination, our, our underprivileged class is not a result of biology or history or something like that. It's because the policy of the states. It's not a case of about cultural gap, but it's uh, in some way orientalist, uh, racist uh, policy against the Mizrahim. 
And this is the base of the place and the performance that try to protest about against this condition, against this policy and philosophy of the establishment. Mm. In light of the research that you've put into your book, how would you assess Ashkenazi-Mizrahi relations in the year 2021 compared with the times in which many of these playwrights developed their works? In the 70s? Yeah. I think the, 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 how to formulate it, I think that the fact that from the 90s that grows up a, middle, a Mizrahi middle class is in some way change the relationship, but it's not, you know, in Israel, if you ask Ashkenazim about this ethnic relation, they say, no, it's not a problem at all. It's disappeared. It's something for our past, from the 50s. It's not exist. And with a lot of angry, they say it's not exist. <laughs> it's some paradox, yeah. So it's exists. Unfortunately, it still exists. But now, because there is a middle, Mizrahi middle class, you can see that the, the Mizrahim are much more assertive in some way to demand the uh, civic rights and so on. And I think, especially for the activists, of Mizrahi activists, you can see the, the, the second and especially the third generation of Mizrahim and especially the activists uh, from this movement are much more uh, assertive and they have uh, all the background, all the, you know, all the academic uh, studies, all the data, they have all the terms from uh, multicultural uh, perspectives and post-colonial uh, perspectives. They have all the, you know, all the weapon to, to how to formulate their arguments so it's much more uh, sophisticated than uh, in the 70s. And of course, in the 70s, was, it was a very clear situation because most of the Mizrahim was in a low class. And now, because the Mizrahim get in the, in the middle class, there is two attention. Uh, um, uh, some of the Mizrahim can say we are in the middle class, there is no problem at all, it's, 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 it's okay. And a lot of Mizrahim have a, a very, uh, not, I don't know if it's a lot of, but there's some other Mizrahim that have the, this weapon, these critical weapons to, to formulate very sophisticated arguments against the establishment and to make a new discourse, especially in the social media and so on. So I think this is more or less the differences. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. 
Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. That's so interesting. Do you think that we should use the term Mizrahi theater in the singular, or should we speak of Mizrahi theaters in the plural? Um, There is no Mizrahi theater in singular, of course. There is a lot of perspectives how to do Mizrahi theater. And so I think that we can talk it about in plural and actually in the field itself, you can see uh, a lot of independent artists and also uh, ensembles and groups of Mizrahi, professional groups of Mizrahi theater. I think there is, I think about something like four or five ensembles that the Mizrahi issue is very central in in their repertoire. Uh, there is Teatrona Shachar uh, of Gilit Itzchaki, the you know the performance, uh, the daughter, the daughter's fathers about the Farhud. It's very. Uh, there is now another performance uh, about Kineret and the Yaman in the Kineret, and another a play about uh, Egyptian Egyptian Jewish. Uh, in uh, the suffer in in. Uh, in Egypt, in the Nasser, uh, Abdel Gamal Nasser uh, regime, and so on. So there is this uh, theater is uh, uh, the, the the vision of this theater is to uh, to create plays about the Mizrahi history in the Middle East. Uh, another group is the uh, Hannah Vazana Greenwald. We talk about her about your dot uh, performance. Yes. So she, she has a lot of performances that talk about the Mizrahi issue, the Mizrahi identity in a lot of perspectives, especially she intersects uh, between uh, Mizrahi identity and gender and class and sexuality and so on. And uh, in very, very alternative uh, theatrical language, this she called uh, her theater the Frechot, yeah, the Frechot. Frecha, yeah. It's 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 to 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 reclaim the stereotype. And Frecha is a very a, a very it's very uh, awful a stereotype to say to someone uh, you are Frecha, but like the queer term, yeah, that the queer terms became reclaiming it uh, uh, became the, the the terms to describe the. Homosexual and so on. So here, in the same in the same way, they reclaim the the, the term frechot, and they call themselves the frechot ensemble. Another theater is Lord Center, uh, Lord Theater Center of Nina Rintzler, and she, she her performance is with Lord uh, uh, residents, Mizrahi and Arab uh, residents. And uh, one of the play talk about the Holocaust of the North Africa Jews. This is issue that 
very not not uh, most of the Jews not really familiar with this topic about the Holocaust in 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 North Africa and so on. Another another group is a Dimona Theater. Uh, there is a, a, a performances where they talk about the Dimona and Jews from Morocco that live in Dimona. They have a plays about it and a, a play about the relationship uh, uh, between Mizrahi uh, in low class and Mizrahi in the middle class. And so that's very, uh, very, um, uh, very interesting plays uh, they produce there. So I think this is the, the most of the, these four or five uh, groups are very central in the Mizrahi theater today. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and in fact, you alluded to the play Yoldot by Hannah Vazana Greenwald. Yeah. In my reading of your book, that was the play that I was the most intrigued by and the most fascinated by. Can you discuss that play in more detail? And can you describe to our listeners the plot and storyline in that play? Uh, there is... Um, the the play talk about the kidnap of Yemen children in the the first decades of Israel in the fifties, uh, and the play is start with a poetry. The, there is three performance women performance performers that. Uh, um, on the stage, and it's begin with a general uh, poem that talk about how uh, women she uh, women in the hospitals and uh, how they how they the uh, the very difficult uh, uh, process and how the hospital um, uh, oppressed women in Israel. Mm-hmm. And how they make a breath, make a breath. Uh, um, you can help me with this description, sure. If you like, um, uh, what are you trying so, to say? Uh, women in labor. Yeah, this is the, the this is the yes childbirth. Yeah, childbirth and so on. So. Uh, uh, so the, the so the, the first act is a poetry. They perform a poetry that uh, describe the how the hospital in Israel uh, oppressed these women, and then the other acts in the play is uh, we can see testimonies of Yemen mothers. They talk about how the healthy childrens or babies disappear they, when they go to the hospital or go to the clinic uh, the nurses say to them I'm sorry but your baby is dead and when the women say so where is the baby to uh, to to, uh, 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 to take him uh, so they say no no all the, we, we make all the all the things and there is no body and nothing and no papers and no nothing just the same to the baby is um, died 
So this is the testimony of the mothers. And then we have uh, a testimonies of the nurses. And this testimony is based on the uh, committee that uh, in some way tried to investigate the, uh, this issue, but uh, unfortunately the nurses don't really say the truth. And then the, uh, the play finished, ended we, again with the poetry about the women and the questions of what one of the women said, the, the, the last sentence of the play is, where is my daughter? And the connection between uh, the poem and the testimony is that uh, the hospital, the question, the big question is, how uh, it can be, how this happened, how it's, it can be happened in our states. And the play said, said that uh, the hospital is an oppressed system. And because hospitals in general is an oppressed system, so also things like that can happen there. And this is very a difficult message. I think that the play tried to, to answer about the, the questions, how it can be. It's such a creative aesthetic expression. Uh, I was blown away by uh, the description of it in your book and continue to be by the allusion that you're making to it uh, just, just, just now. Um, in fact, what, was particularly intriguing was the allegory of the biblical book of Genesis and the creation story as Yoldot applies it to the setting of the hospitals from which Yemenite children were kidnapped. Can you explain that angle, the allegorical introduction to the play for our listeners who might not be familiar? Um, what's the poetry, what's, what is the poetry is take Genesis as a reference and cynical and critical uh, in critical sense. What is, what is exactly want to say that the states and the hospitals and the health system is like God. He creates the world of the uh, of the system. It's in some way the he said the poetry said that uh, the poem said that the, um, uh, uh, that the states is like try to, to be like God in the bad sense of, the, <laughs> of this mean and in the, uh, in which is the bad meaning of that. It's mean uh, that like God, they try to, to do very, a very problematic, immoral things like to take children from their mother and fathers and so on, and to do with them what they like to do, like God. And this, and I think that is the the, the comparison between Genesis and the, how the hospital created it in itself. It's the it's my interpretations. Uh, um, how it's work, uh, how this allegory works to, to the audience. Fascinating. What kind of reaction has there been to plays such as Yoldot 
and others that you describe in your book in Israeli press, what kind of conversation or criticism of such plays or, co- or discussion of such plays has transpired surrounding such plays in Israeli discourses in, Isra- in, in the Israeli theater world? I think that is a very, uh, I, I, I don't remember exactly uh, any special uh, criticism or something in the press about this play, but I think that when we talk about this, uh, uh, about Yemeni, Yemeni children, uh, there is a very, um, a very split in the discourse. And it's very connected to the identity of the speakers in some way. Most of the Mizrahim, I think, believe that it's true, that they stay, stake and kidnap the, the children. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, documents about it and a lot of yes. testimonies about it. And the other one, I think that a lot of Ashkenazi, especially Ashkenazim, that the parents was one was participate with the funding of the health system and welfare system and was very identified with the Zionist establishing of the states and so on feel very bad with this accusing and try to say that is it's that the baby is really dead not they are not kidnapped at all and so on. It's very uh, a very conflict between two of these groups about the truth because it's not only the child and what happened to the child because it's really a, a conflict about our self-image if we are very, if Israel is a very good and uh, uh, if the Zionist vision is all, is really a camp to true and so on, or we the states Israeli states is very problematic and uh, make a lot of evils and oppressions and so on. It's it's about it's a conflict about our self image and about our what is Zionist ideology at all and so on. I think it's, it's the base of the conflict. Thank you for sharing that. I was struck by the poem that you share at the end of the book. Um, it, its title is Mom. Um, yeah. If I read it for our listeners, um, it says the following. Uh, My mother cleans the toilet of the eminent scholar who studies on gender and post-structuralist psychoanalytical approaches led her to the amazing achievement the first woman to be appointed full professor, another feminist success at the highest level of academia. Why did you end the book with this poem? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, this poem, and actually, I wrote in two, 2007, and it's published in a book of poems, of 100 poems, of a lot of poets in Israel about about working class in Israel, poems about working class. And uh, it was, I think, a lot of people 
wrote to me about these poems and about this poem and and uh, and this poem a lot of times you can find it in facebook in twitter in all the social media a lot of people use this poem to describe their feelings and so on students email me about these poems and also high school students use these poems to to make a graffiti on walls of uh, of school of the, of their schools and so on i think uh, uh, this poem in some way is um, uh, formulate my experience about this uh, study, about this book, is uh, formulate my, uh, my biography. And as I said, my mother, and it's, it's a poem about my mother, uh, about my mother. It's a poem about my place of belonging uh, to the academia and my conflict uh, as part of the Israeli academia, she, and by the way, as you know, the Israeli academia is very white academia, <laughs> and so on. And uh, it's trying to say something about the connection between aesthetics and social and personal in, in I think that is, is the... I, I begin with my parents in the introduction and I finish my, my mother in the, in the uh, epilogue and so on. And so I thought that it's good to, to say something about my place um, in this investigation, this book. And I think that the, the, the poem said this crossroad I, I place or I position myself. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um... How does the poem relate to the place you analyzed? Uh, especially, especially about with the feminist theater, uh, in particular. But in general, I think that is there is three character in the poem: my mother, the professor, and myself. And I think this Tringle is also exists in all the book. Uh, I wrote about, in some way, about my autobiography through the plays. I do it because, not only, but also because of my parents' biography, my parents' pains, my parents' silence, and give them, give them a voice in the book. And the professor, and the professor is, is also not only the Ashkenazi and the the some the bad guy in the story, but also in some way I'm also the professor in in some way because my position is in, in the academia and my um, my tensions with this role, how to be a professor in the academia and what is the the role of the professor in the academia and so on. So this. Tringle in the poem is, is described in some way all the book and all my, my personal and political and aesthetical and academical and whatever in the book. Thank you. That's fascinating. I really appreciate the autobiographical components that informs the book and informs the insights that you develop 
in the book. I think it's a beautiful contribution to the book. And I just wanted to commend you for including that poem um, precisely where it's found. Another piece of the book that I was particularly intrigued by is the production of the play by Moliere, The Miser. Yeah. Can you discuss that? And in particular, can you describe to our listeners the context of how that play was produced for an Israeli audience and the the setting both in time and location as to where and when the play was produced for Israeli audiences? So in 2001, Ronit Ivgi and uh, Asher Cohen are from Moroccan origin. Decide to to make a, a theater for in Moroccan language uh, for Moroccan Jews in Israel, and they uh, they decide to take a Molière because I think a, a, a Molière is very well known in especially in uh, North Africa, colonies that are based in some way in the French colony and the French uh, culture and so on. So they take uh, the comedy of the miser of Molière and make an adaptation to a Moroccan language and also a Moroccan setting. The the plot is going on in Casablanca and so on, in the, the community Jews and so on. And it was very good performance. A lot of a lot of Moroccan Jews, first generation, second generation, even third generation, come to hear, come to to watch this uh, very beautiful and very uh, entertainment uh, play. And it was a very it was celebration in the in the in the auditorium between the stage and auditorium because. It was the first time that this language uh, um, was on the stage, not only in the synagogue, not only in the mimuna or wedding or in the neighborhood. It's the first time in a, in a fine arts, in very respectable uh, uh, building, uh, they can watch um, play in their language. It was very fascinating. The first time was was in Arabic theater, in Arabic language, that make Jews for Jews that don't deal with the Palestinian-Israeli conflict in Israel. Fascinating. Um, Why did the play The Miser, or in French, Lavar, resonate so deeply with its audience at the time? You can repeat the question again. I don't think. Oh, um, why did the play "The Miser" resonate with its audience in the way that it did? I think uh, the Meisner, in some way, said something about the culture. Is an allegory about the culture. Uh, to be generous in the Mizrahi culture, and especially in North Africa. 
to be generous, to to give, and to be very uh, to be a very good host to your visitors and so on. It's very a very important value, and to be a miser, it's very it's yeah it's it's very problematic. So I think that they they try to say something about the tradition, how we can um, not be so uh, miser about our tradition, how we can be generous about our traditions, and how in in one case how it's it's important to keep it like a miser, but also to give it a, to to take it. Uh, and going on with that and um, to be generous with this culture. Uh, I think that it's, it's talking about the tension between the, these poles. That's fascinating. But, but, it, it, but it was an entertainment, you know, it was a very, co- it's very comic and, and very, it's a comedy. And uh, to, you know, to, to, to watch comedy in your native language, uh, it's, it was a celebration in the in the theater, especially that celebrate the Moroccan identity in 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 this in the in the theater. It's in some way a paradox between a paradox between a Moroccan identity and the theater in some way in Israel. So to make theater in Moroccan language, it's was in 2001, a very fascinating uh, event. So I think that is, was the, the point of this comedy. That's fascinating. Um, you know, in light of what you're describing and in light of um, some of the themes in The Miser, um, I can't help but think about the character Salah Shabati in yeah. the fr- it, in dialogue with Moliere's depiction of the miser. I just um, it's thought that's coming to me as you're describing uh, the miser as it was di- directed and produced in Israeli context, and I can't help but think about the parallels between the stereotype of Shalach Shabati in and the parallels between The Miser by Moliere? It's a very interesting thought. I think, uh, uh, I think that in The Miser, all the community on the stage are Mizrahim. So you have The Miser, but you have the young, uh, the young lovers, and you have uh, you have the Jews that try to be much more French, and you have the the Jews that come from the low class that are like Arabs and so on. So you have a lot of identities or ways how to be a Jew in Casablanca in the fifties. This is the plot uh, per the time of the plot going on. So. It's not like Salah Shabbati because Salah Shabbati is a stereotype that comparison to the to the Ashkenazi Jews in the film. You know there is a big uh, there is a gap between the educated uh, Jews or uh, the European Jews and Salah Shabbati is a primitive and so on. 
So I think that is important to see where, where the miser is, what the setting of the miser and what the setting of Salah Shabbati to understand that it's not the, the same. Yes. Yes. No, I appreciate what you're saying. And I, and I absolutely agree with you on the differences. Um, I guess where that question came from was just um, the stereo, the depiction of misers in, in Renaissance drama um, in Moliere, but I'm also thinking about depictions of miser characters in Jacobian drama in, in England and in the times of the Renaissance, Shakespeare and his, um, and his contemporaries and those who came after him. Um, and the comparison and in many ways, the contrast between Salah Shabbati and the stereotypical miser characters are, um, they're, they're very intriguing and it, that, that thought literally just flashed into my mind as, yeah. as you were describing the miser. So thank you for that response and thanks for highlighting those contrasts. Um, the, the play, My Kineret from the year 2000, um, can you, you alluded to it earlier in our conversation. Um, can you share with our listeners the, the storyline and the plot of My Kineret and the historical episode that it is bringing to the stage? So what's going on with uh, My Kineret is a play about uh, historical events about Yemen in the, in, in the first decades of the 20th century around the Kineret Sea in the Galil. And what's going on there, that was a, two groups near the Kineret. One of them was of the Chalutzim pioneers, Ashkenazi pioneers, and families, Yemenite families that immigrate from Yemen to the Kineret. Both of group will walk the land and try to uh, and try to make a living from uh, that uh, lands from a Zionist national religious visions of that time or those times. But the Ashkenazi pioneer one wanted all the lands, not only it. Uh, and what it do, what it did actually, they take the lands from the Yemen family and uh, transform, transformed, uh, transformed the, the Yemen family to other places in uh, Israel and uh, make them only a worker for other Ashkenazi fa- farms in near Chovot. And this pain and this uh, story um, was one of the base to the play. Uh, and the play uh, talk about a grandfather was it's in the play is going on in, in the 80s as the grandfathers remember what's going on in his uh, in those days and uh, tells it's his story to his uh, grandson his family and so on 
and the play and when he's died and the family tried to uh, to take his body to the cemetery of Kineret, of the kibbutz Kineret, they don't accepted that he will uh, bury them uh, there and uh, this is the you know tragic uh, ending of the play fascinating what in what ways did Mike Kineret contribute to changing the discourse or regarding the events in the Galilee of the 1880s in Israeli collective memory what what was thought of if anything of this episode of expulsion in Israeli public memory before the emergence of this play in 2000 and after like to what degree did this play re- and its reconstruction of those events contribute to their rememorialization in Israeli society afterwards relative to what may have been a silence surrounding it before or or, or was there public memory surrounding these events before and where does the play fit in in that process yeah, i think the second uh, interpretation is 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 the case okay uh, in the 90s was a film a documentary film about this uh, about this story the yemeni director make a film about it in 91 i think or 92 and then was in and uh, several years after this films a yemeni historian historian yudanini uh, published a book about this story uh, with a lot of um, it's very painful book because he also is yemeni historian zionist Yemenite historian that he you can see the tension in the book that he said yet it's a lot of pain this story but he's, he's very Zionist also and very it's it's very it's very uh, interesting to read this book but a Yudanini book it's called um, uh, which it's 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 a sentence for a poetry of Rachel that talk about Kineret but in the title became a some cynical and critical. Uh, it's, it's not matter, but the, the book it's very critical about the story uh, from Yemenit point of view, and I think the play uh, became a, 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 as a result of this discourse that from the 90s and was another uh, a cultural product about the about this uh, story, but I think that the differences between book and play is very obvious because I, I, when I, I saw, when I watched uh, the play, it was with a lot of old people from the Yemen community, a lot of Yemen women, very old women that came to, to, to see, to watch the play and to identify with the story. Some of them have a connection, a family connection to this story. It was very, very, um, in some way, a catharsis for this audience to, to watch and to get a, a recognition about their, uh, about their pain, their trauma, about this story.
I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Um, in the theoretical framework of your book, you draw upon prominent African-American and Africana thinkers, Franz Fanon and W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, what, in what way does your book contribute to dialogue between Mizrahi studies and African-American studies? Um, to what degree can your book contribute to thinking about theater outside of an Israeli context, but if it was read in a different field within the humanities, what contribution could your book make perhaps outside of a specific Israeli or Israel studies, Mizrahi studies context to other fields within the humanities where similar kinds of debates are yeah. taking place conceptually? I think the question from that, from this point of view, is how ethnicity or social identity, especially for marginalized or excluded uh, group in the theater, how it's work. And there is a tension in, in this case between to create our theater and our autonomy, and we have a title, Mizrahi Theater or Black Theater, whatever uh, uh, the title of the minorities theater, uh, to, create our, uh, uh, to create our story and so on, in, um, and not to, to try to be like the mainstream or to arise our identity and try to be, to integrate or uh, assimilate in the mainstream. But in the other word, but in other hand, this uh, theater can be a ghetto. It can be a, 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 um, not a, a give out the opportunity to grow and to become something complicated in a lot of ways of thinking and so on. So the, uh, I think this tensions is very, it's very correct, characterized by the, the, in these situations of minorities and theater. And the thing that the, the book tried to, uh, to describe and anal analyze this complicated issue. And um, I think that the, another, another level of this uh, point of view, how we can compare uh, about minority and theater is my emphasize the forms, the theatrical forms and other history. My book is not organized by the history of Mizrahi theater or by the context, the social context and so on. It's organized by the theatrical lines. Each chapter talk about a form of theater, uh, like autobiography performance, poetry performance, uh, performing history, social uh, realism, drama and so on. And I think that these forms are very dominant in minority theaters in the world. So in, also in this space, we can make a dialogue or someone that's read my book from that point of view, from his 
or her minority uh, theater, uh, you can also learn from this uh, uh, how to think about theatrical lens uh, about his or her uh, conflict of ethnic conflicts and so on. That's fascinating. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what future and emerging trends do you notice in Mizrahi community-based theater today? And where do you see the future of Mizrahi theater going as it evolves in the new decade? <laughs> I don't really, I don't know, but I think that in the in last decades, we can see uh, uh, as I mentioned before, the, we have a Mizrahi theater, a Mizrahi group theater. So we have not only artists that make here and there a play or something like that. We have a frameworks, practically a frameworks of ensembles and a little repertoire of theaters and so on, and also festivals of theater, a festival. Libiba Mizrahi, it's a Mizrahi festival for all the arts, theater, visual, uh, visual arts, uh, films, and so on. So I think that maybe in, in the 20s, we, we, will, we, we will see a development of organi little organizations of theaters, of Mizrahi theaters, not only uh, individual that create here and there performance and play in festivals and so on, but try to make an ensemble with continuity and with repertoire and for to develop a, a special a theatrical language about this issue and so on. So I think that maybe this is uh, developing the future. Hopefully so, hopefully so. As we bring this conversation to a close, um, can you share with us what you are working on now and what you're working on next? I'm still uh, a published articles about the Mizrahi theater. In the future, I will publish uh, uh, an article about a Mizrahi theater for youth audience. So I have a combination between my topic about Mizrahi theater and about educational drama, community theater, and so on. And in general, I, I have, I go, I have a, um, a grant about a festival. I, I go on with the festival, you know, that in my PhD, I, I wrote about our festival. So now with my colleague, uh, Smadar Moore, uh, we have a grant from ISF, Israeli Science Foundation, to, to make a, a research about Haifa Festival for theater for children and youth theater. So it's my, my next project is to, to, to write the history of Haifa Festival. But also there, there, there are a, a place for children and youth that talk about a Mizrahi case. So also uh, in this project, in some way, the Mizrahi identity is always there, you know. Uh, so it's, this is the, my next project about uh, children's theater in Israel. Thank you. Wow. I wish you only 
only Hatzlacha in developing these new projects. Um, I appreciate you coming on this podcast today for this interview. I'm humbled by how much I learned and I'm extremely grateful for how much the audience and the listeners will learn from listening to this interview today. Uh, thank you for your time and attention. To our listeners, um, this has been Naftali Shemtov, author of the new book, Israeli Theater, Mizrahi Jews and Self-Representation, published by Routledge in 2021. Thank you for listening. This has been New Books in Israel Studies. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. 18- plus.